Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome back to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 103.9 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Thursday evening where we are set to explore another special topic. But before we get into tonight's subject matter, I did just want to apologize for not being able to go last Friday. You know, this is, uh, I think, the first Friday that we've missed in quite some time. Uh, I lost my voice. You know, I've been doing some traveling, giving some talks, and... uh, I got sick and lost my voice, and well, if I don't have a voice, doing radio isn't going to be much help to you, <laughs> right? But I did want to let you know as far as tomorrow goes, I will be ready to go. And uh, I'm excited because we have been engaging in this series of how to best respond to the question, can you pray for me? And we are going to be in wrap-up mode on one front, but as I will talk about it tomorrow, I'm going to go back into the the nine keys to better intercessory prayer, as we have been discussing them, and explore them within the context of the saints, because you have asked me to talk about the saints. And as opposed to taking that to our Thursday, I wanted to parachute these saints into our nine keys. So stay tuned. I'm going to engage more of that tomorrow, but I did want to give you a heads up on some direction as far as our Friday programming goes. But as far as today, what are we going to talk about today? Well, You have been asking me to talk about a very particular thing. Uh, Approximately four weeks ago during Holy Week, uh, flames made their way into the heart of the famous Cathedral of Notre Dame in Paris, France. And as the images of the collapsing spire spread across the globe, really, for many, for you and, and for I, it was hard to believe that this famous building celebrated for centuries for its liturgy, for its artistic works, uh, for its splendor, for its history, was on fire and being blackened. And and really, it's not right to say uh, blackened to its core, because that's not true, but certainly some parts of the building have been blackened. Uh, Thankfully, the cathedral was a most part saved, and as we now know, uh, a month later, The French president, alongside of the Archbishop of Paris and the people of France, are committed to bringing it back as much as they can to its original identity, much to some politicians' chagrin. So this evening, as you have asked, we are going to reflect into what took place on April 15th and what it means. Okay? So we are going to talk about the fire of the Notre Dame Cathedral, and as we do, kind of reflect into maybe its deeper meaning. Uh, you had asked me, when did I find out, and, and what was I thinking? Well, as far as when I found out and what my reaction was, I initially found out about the cathedral fire when a close friend of mine sent me a picture via text, and so taken back I was. <laughs> I had to pull over on the road, and I just found myself sitting in my car, pondering, praying. You know, I have never been to Paris, and so I have never been to Notre Dame, but I have studied the great cathedral in detail, and certainly I am familiar with its history, 
And in that vein, it really was difficult to watch. As a lover of history, it is always difficult to watch history go up in flames, or maybe in other cases, see it destroyed by terrorists. Incidentally, my friends, when you look at the word history, as I'm thinking about this and as we're talking about it, it comes from the Latin historia, which translates as what to weave a pattern. I suppose you could say when history is lost to some sort of tragedy, either natural or man-made, we are losing threads to the pattern of our life's story. And this is why it is so important to preserve history. Uh, Now, just getting back here a little bit, a word about what was lost and saved from this most prized cathedral. As it has been well documented by many of the major media outlets, many of the priceless artifacts included much of the building itself, right? Uh, Such as its famous gargoyles made as such by Victor Hugo's Hunchback of Notre Dame, uh, the South Rose stained glass window, and certainly we could also include in that the grand organ complete with, I think it's 8,000 pipes. If, if you are one who has been blessed to be inside that cathedral, you know what I'm talking about. The architecture, the beauty, it's overwhelming. Uh, as many have said, it's kind of like a, a sensory overload, if you will. <laughs> You're just taking in so much beauty, and you want to take it in. It's just hard because the human spirit can only absorb so much <laughs> in such a short time span. Now, as far as the relics go, it was also home to many Christian relics, such as part of the crown of thorns, a piece of the actual cross that Jesus was crucified on. We have to remember it was St. Helena, mother to Constantine, who at the command of her son went to Jerusalem to bring back evidence of Christ's life. Constantine told his mother as he was going through his own conversion, go back to Jerusalem, I want evidence of this man. Well, she came back with evidence of him in the form of of the many relics like the crown of thorns and slivers from the wood of the cross that really bore testimony to the truth of this man. Um, So she brings back these relics. And as she does, these relics find eventual homes in important churches. And of course, here we are talking about this because some of the crown of thorns alongside a piece from the wood of the cross was in uh, Notre Dame, and certainly, as we now know, those relics have been preserved. What's more, there were dozens of artworks and sculptures, such as the famous Madonna, right, and child from the 14th century, placed all throughout the cathedral. Fortunately, a week before the fire, more than a dozen statues were removed for scheduled cleaning and restoration, so they were not damaged in the fire. Some of the first responders, as we know, were tasked with recovering as much art as possible, and as we now know, much of the artwork has been saved. In regards to what was lost, among other things was some of the splendid wood ornamentation found in the nave, so really the heart of the church. Something we have to remember, my friends, is that churches and cathedrals by their very nature, are intended for what? But greater worship and catechesis. In the case of the wood ornamentation, many of the images were what what you would find in most cathedrals, uh, typological symbols, if you will, of the Old Testament that prefigure Christ. What do I mean by that? Well, if you were to go into any church, what you would see is 
images, signs, symbols from the Old Testament that point to Christ. So, for example, I'm thinking of Abraham and Isaac, right? I have talked about this a great number of times where Abraham calls his son Isaac to gather wood and to put it on his back and to ascend a mountain. And, of course, God intervenes and says, No, Abraham, you do not have to offer up your son. I will provide the lamb. And so in that moment in history, yeah, he provides the lamb for slaughter. Almost 2,000 years later, he provides another lamb for slaughter. And oh, by the way, God called that son, his son, to carry wood on his back up a mountain. Right? So we see the story of Abraham and Isaac as a type of God the Father and his own son. So what you have in some of this wood ornamentation are those kinds of things. And when I say catechesis, I say, you know, cathedrals and churches are made for worshiping catechesis. These signs, these symbols, these images, as they provoke the mind to imagine and wonder these images, it is an excellent opportunity for the one who is preaching to talk about that image. So, for example, in the case of Abraham and Isaac, so imagine here with me, if you will, you know, you have an image of Abraham, Isaac, side by side with God the Father and his son up on Mount Moriah. Uh, if you are there talking about uh, that story for, say, 15 minutes, the image, the art, the beauty, and the background of uh, the preaching, the, the, the catechesis, that story is going to come to life. This is why every church worth its salt is going to have this kind of imagery, and certainly in the case of the cathedral, it's everywhere. And to what was lost, well, some of that wood ornamentation that had those kinds of images and signs. Can this be restored? Of course it can, and it will, as I noted. It's just a matter of really reflecting into what was lost and why it is important. Now, as it relates to another important symbol, and one that wasn't lost, but... Uh, because I've been asked about it, I'm going to talk about it. The South Rose Window. Uh, this rosette, as it has been called, is dedicated to what? But the New Testament. And is about what? Well, what was I just talking about? <laughs> Typology, right? A catechesis. Because below the rosette are the 16 prophets representing the heavenly court. The four great prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel carrying the four evangelists, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Collectively, the South Rose window in uh, Notre Dame symbolizes Christ's triumphance, reigning over heaven, surrounded by all of his witnesses on earth. So again, imagine preaching, teaching on Christ's triumph over sin and death with the South Rose window as the backdrop. And all of that imagery... Huh? Notre Dame Cathedral, my friends, is a universe in microcosm. As Peter Kreft, the famous philosopher who you have heard me quote on many occasions, says, really, with its flying buttresses and the way it is shaped, looks like a rocket, you know, ready to, to shoot off. And it's only on a landing pad. Well, rightfully so, he says that, because in its truest sense, Notre Dame Cathedral is a universe and microcosm. You go inside this cathedral, and it's like you are in a whole new world. 
and this is why it is not only so important to the people of Paris, France, but also to the world. Okay, all that being said, as we speak to the symbolism of this great cathedral, it does not take much of an imagination to see that the fire could not fail to have its own symbolism that reflects the turbulent and irrational times of 2019. It should be said here that really Notre Dame is the beating heart of France that represents everything of its Catholic identity. You know, so important is the church to the nation that the famous playwright Paul Claudel once wrote that Paris is but a highway leading to Notre Dame. (laughs) I love that. Paris is but a highway leading to Notre Dame. It's interesting, if you were to ask most citizens of Paris, not people who live outside of Paris, okay, but people who live inside of Paris or inside of France, what is the most important building to them? They will not say the Eiffel Tower, but Notre Dame Cathedral, with its gothic flying buttresses and and spire that reaches heavenward. And really, it is easy to see why the Parisians would feel this way. Because the building contained and contains still yet all that is beautiful, all that is poetic, all that is charming in that classic medieval French spirit. I dare say that spirit that the whole world longs for, knowingly or unknowingly. It could be said that the cathedral symbolizes the special alliance of the the French people with God as witnessed by the many historical events of both glory and shame that have taken place there. Throughout it all, Notre Dame has survived certainly the best and the worst of times, and it's going to survive this time as well. But the question that I think you were after is what does all of this mean for today's Paris? Today, France is a nation steeped in liberal secularism. Throughout the modern era, Paris, and more collectively France, is is certainly a nation that has suffered from its refusal to include God in public life. For some in France, the fire is a tragic accident that destroyed a city landmark and a world heritage site. Its loss, yeah, will impact the economy. The damage will be considered a cultural setback. But in the end, for some, France will move on with or without the cathedral. Because for some, they see no meaning or consequence in the fire outside of the physical destruction of the building. So again, the question that begs to be asked is, does the fire signify the rupture of the alliance between man and God? Maybe we can phrase the question that way. Because for a long time, France has maintained the exteriorities of a nation linked to Christianity, despite its secular government. France has always been structured around what? The church. And to the the Parisians, the the citizens of Paris, the church has symbolized by what but Notre Dame. Okay, this is so important for us to see. If we are going to get inside of this situation and the real collective conscience, if you will, my friends, of what has happened and what happened April 15th, we have to understand this for what it is. I think here in the United States of America, if you are listening to this podcast, United States of America, we might be detached from this. I do know that we have listeners in Paris, France, and please send me your emails if you are listening to this in France. Help me help our audience better understand the significance of what happened. 
So here we are, the unity of faith and reason, as we might see it in a building, Notre Dame, has in part come crashing down. The spire that reached to the heavens literally came crashing down. It was really that moment, my friends, that when I was in my car, uh, that I lost my breath to see that spire, so famous, so symbolic, come crashing down. It is no secret to anyone who has visited Notre Dame that, that secular, neo-pagan, and multicultural France has abandoned God. As hundreds of tourists have walked through the great cathedral of Notre Dame on a daily basis, just a handful of faithful attend Mass on a daily basis. Honestly, that is all that you probably need to know about what we are talking about this evening. So again, we have this question before us, another question. Has God and the Virgin abandoned France? I would say no. We have to remember an important lesson that the cross itself teaches us. It's certainly worth its while that a, a piece of the crown of thorns and the wood of the cross was inside this cathedral. The lesson is this. Where there is tragedy, there is unity. Where there is loss, there is hope. Because when something has been taken away from us, often is the case, it is because God wants to give us something else, something new. As a priest friend of mine likes to say, when we are down to nothing, God is always up to something. And for the people of France, yes, many see the fire of Notre Dame as a tragedy, a loss, something taken away from them. But I would like to think, I'm hopeful as they see it as such, they also see it as an opportunity for unity, an opportunity for hope, an opportunity for something new. Interestingly, as we speak to this, I was talking to a good friend of mine about this a week ago, approximately two weeks ago, representatives from the local Catholic diocese took a survey of those who were practicing their faith before the fire and those after the fire. Out from the ashes of the fire, there appears to be a change of heart. Many baptized Catholics who go to Mass only on Easter and Christmas are apparently now resolved, according to this survey, to go to Mass on a regular basis. In one case, a local saint, and I quote, what was lost in the fire was already lost in my heart. The beauty of God. I now desire to rebuild my heart. Amen to that. What was lost in the fire was already lost in my heart, the beauty of God. I now desire to rebuild, rebuild my heart. Wow. Beautiful, hopeful, right? Hopeful. You ask, why does God allow such things? Brothers and sisters, it is about salvation. We have to remember something. The fire took place during Holy Week. We're talking about the crown of thorns. We're talking about the wood of the cross. This fire took place during Holy Week. This, in more than one way, I believe, symbolizes the church in secular Europe that is experiencing a passion in which she is scourged and unrecognizable. But as Holy Week did 2,000 years ago, this ought to, and uh, it appears it has, galvanize Catholics to live a more vibrant faith, galvanize Christianity in France. It appears that God has used this most unfortunate event as something for the fortunes of man and his salvation. This again brings us back to the point of loss and gain, right? 
You don't know what you have until it's gone. Right? We know this. As a people, we by nature can become comfortable with the most incredible gifts, with the most marvelous things, and above all else, the most beautiful people, right? I have an extraordinarily beautiful wife, a woman of God who is so unique, so original, so captivating. I've been married to her for 15 years, a mea culpa, for any one day that I have taken her for granted. Huh. France has a beautiful spouse, so to speak, and it was taken for granted. Parts of this quote-unquote spouse were lost, but not all of it, not its most precious parts. And so, to the Parisians, they say, we still love you. And while they speak metaphorically to their universal microcosm, they speak, I think, intuitively to the inspiration behind their universe and microcosm, God and the Holy Spirit. They say to God, I still love you. Mea culpa for not remembering more of you in my regular routine, in my day. It was really interesting uh, to one of the interviews. This was something I remember from uh, the first day. This older gentleman was asked, how did you find out? Was it something you saw? And he said, I was just going through my regular routine when God stopped me and got my attention with the plumes of smoke. I saw them from a distance and I said, oh no, not the cathedral. And God said to me in my heart, yes, the cathedral. What does it mean to you? Another beautiful kind of uh, more than eyewitness, but interior witness, if you will, to the significance of the fire. When you have been so aligned with this beautiful building, and, and please don't be one who says it's just another church. Say that to anyone in France, right? I mean, how might you react to, say, a secular building going up in flames, the Sacramento capital? I think if you are local to the state of California, you might have a certain affection for the capital for one reason or another. Maybe it's just because you, are, uh, you live in the state of California. So much more than just a secular capital building, a cathedral that is arguably, arguably the greatest cathedral in the world, the greatest building in the world as it relates to its history and its beauty. Certainly St. Peter's Basilica, the cathedral in Cologne, Germany, the Chartres, also in France. All of those are important buildings, but to the history and to what was, and for the most part still is inside the uh, Cathedral of Notre Dame, you might be talking about the arguably the most beautiful cathedral and significant church building in the world. Um, all right. Anyhow, I'm looking up at the clock, and we're out of time. There were a number of other things I want to talk about, but as... As per the norm these days, I'm, I'm out of time. Just let me close with this. It's a word about encountering beauty. Exterior beauty and then interior beauty. There is a reason beyond uh, a nation's alliance with a building that so many people have been touched by the fire outside of uh, Western Europe. 
if you are, say, a citizen of the United States of America and you have been to the cathedral, you know what I'm talking about, just by merely being in the shadow of this cathedral at one point in your life, you were affected by this. Why? Because you encountered beauty. Yes, man-made, but man-made, man-inspired, right? Man-inspired. The Cathedral of Notre Dame is one of the great human achievements insofar as it was achieved via the Holy Spirit, a great place of worship, a great place of beauty, art, a great place to encounter God. We encounter God by way of the aesthetic. When we go to a place like Notre Dame, uh, we have that kind of aesthetic arrest because our soul has been captivated. And isn't it interesting, paradoxically, that God desires to recaptivate us by allowing such an event to take place? Certainly, the people of Paris, France, have taken notice have we here in the United States taken notice? These are just a few ponderings, a few musings. Let us close with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 530 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.